Tomorrow's World Magazine, August 2022 issue. Feature article, Will You Take the Mark of the Beast? by Rod McNair. Read by William Williams. Article begins. What is the prophesied mark of the beast mentioned in your Bible? Is it a biochip that will be implanted under people's skin? Or a paper-thin data tattoo, quote-unquote, mounted on people's foreheads? For citizens of the United States, is it their social security number? Is it a tracking device or perhaps a thought control implant? Theories abound as to what this sinister mark will be. The last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation, describes a mysterious beast imposing this mark on mankind. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. Scripture warns that this beast will perform great miracles to deceive mankind and will work in conjunction with a powerful military and political system. Yet anyone who accepts the beast's mark will be defying God. The Apostle John writes that those with the mark will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 and 10. Surely we should take that warning seriously. So, what is this mark, and how will it affect you and your family? As we head into the troubled days at the close of this present age, these are vital questions. Subhead A False Church with Ancient Roots Your Bible describes a religious system called Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Revelation chapter 17, verse 5. This system has its roots in the ancient Babylonian mystery religion. Described as a prostitute, an apostate church, it is in direct opposition to God. Scripture describes this system exercising great political influence with world leaders, gaining and giving favors. Verses 1 and 2. John further identifies this Babylon as a very rich and wealthy church, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Revelation chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus Christ sternly warns his people to leave and shun this system. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. But why would any church today be called by such a name? It is because that church today has teachings straight out of ancient Babylonian mysteries, which were the precursors of many of the world's pagan practices. See the book by J. Garnier, The Worship of the Dead, pages 8-11. through 11. What was one of the key components of these ancient pagan religions? Worship of the Sun Subhead A History of Sun Worship in the days of the ancient Israelites, sun worship was, quote, widely diffused throughout the countries adjacent to Palestine, end quote. From Unger's Bible Dictionary, page 1049. God expressly warned the Hebrews against this form of idolatry, knowing that it would be a strong temptation for them. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, 
the moon, and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19. God is an invisible spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24. He made the sun to provide physical light and heat to the earth and its inhabitants, not to be worshipped. God is to be worshipped, not his creation. Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Yet, in a supernatural vision from God, the prophet Ezekiel described the Israelites' apostasy and sun worship. He brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and there, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about twenty-five men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they were worshipping the sun toward the east. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 16. The twenty-four courses of God's priests, plus the high priest, were bowing toward the rising sun. Did God consider this a trivial matter? Absolutely not. He said in the next verse that these and other abominations provoked him to anger. What is the lesson for us today? Would God be pleased with us if we continued these abominable practices? Of course not. In every generation God's people have had to battle against compromising God's truth, and we must do so today. So, do your beliefs really measure up to God's instructions? The Apostle Paul instructed Christians to test all things, hold fast what is good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21 To follow Christ, we must obey His commands. We cannot just follow the traditions and imaginations of men. So ask yourself, where did you get your beliefs? Subhead the Cult of the Sun in the Christian Era The roots of many modern religious traditions can be traced to ancient Babylon. The old Babylonian sun god Shemash was known in ancient Rome by his Persian name Mithra, and his cult grew in prominence around the time of Christ. Author Samuel Dill observed, quote, Of all the Oriental religions which attracted the devotion of the West in the last three centuries of the empire, that of Mithra was the most powerful, end quote. From the book Roman Society from Nero to Marcus Aurelius, page 585. Scholars have noted how closely the story of the god Mithra seems to resemble the story of Jesus. Consider a few examples. Mithra was called a king and a shepherd, like Christ. He allegedly gave life and healing to the sick and even raised the dead. He supposedly loosed the bonds of the captives, put an end to wickedness, and destroyed his enemies. From the book Religion of Babylonia and Assyria by Morris Jastrow, pages 71 and 72. Mithraism was superficially similar to some aspects of Christianity, yet at its base it was sun worship, which God calls an abomination. How could this be? The answer is that there is a great deceiver, Satan the devil, who works in the sons of disobedience and deceives the whole world. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2, Revelation chapter 12 verse 9. His masterstroke has been to create a counterfeit Christianity that while masquerading as God's true religion is marked by paganism. Ask yourself, what is the best way for a con artist to deceive unsuspecting victims? By making his product look drastically different from the genuine article or by making it look almost like the real thing? The latter is exactly what Satan the devil has done in attempting to blur the line between pagan worship and true Christianity. 
Mithra was a god of light, quote-unquote, worshipped by showing reverence to the sun, the source of light. Jesus Christ called himself the light of the world, and said, He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus Christ was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. John chapter 1, verse 9. Yet Jesus did not teach his disciples to worship him by honoring the sun. Some try to justify a blending of sun worship and the true religion by saying that Christ was prophesied to be the son of righteousness, arising with healing in his wings. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But true worshippers of God recognize that the light of Christ is spiritual truth. The darkness of which Christ spoke is spiritual error and deception. So, is your religion marked, quote-unquote, by obedience to God's instructions to worship the Creator, not the creation? Or is it holding on to the ancient traditions that God called abominable millennia ago? Subhead Quote-unquote, Christian sun worship? Many professing Christians assume that their tradition of worshiping on Sunday comes from the Bible. Yet the Bible clearly commands observance of the seventh-day Sabbath, not of the first day of the week. The prophet Daniel foretold that a heretical religious power would persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. That is exactly what happened during the early years of the New Testament church when leaders transferred their Sabbath observance to Sunday. Even Sunday-keeping scholars admit that the New Testament does not endorse a Sunday Sabbath, quote-unquote. Quote, we fail to find the slightest trace of a law or apostolic edict instituting the observance of the day of the Lord, nor is there in the scriptures an intimation of a substitution of this for the Jewish Sabbath. End quote. From the entry Sunday, from Unger's Bible Dictionary, page 1050. No scriptural or apostolic authority commanded the New Testament church to change its day of worship to Sunday. But if Scripture does not command Sunday worship, why is it the practice of hundreds of millions of professing Christians today? Could it be that a great deceiver inserted Sunday worship into the traditions of unsuspecting people? Authors George Barna and Frank Viola point out that popular Christianity is filled with many unbiblical elements. They note that Sunday keeping came about through a compromise between Mithraism and Christianity sought by the pagan emperor Constantine. These authors report that, quote, In A.D. 321, Constantine decreed that Sunday would be a day of rest, a legal holiday. It appears that Constantine's intention in doing this was to honor the god Mithras, the unconquered sun. Further demonstrating Constantine's affinity with sun worship, excavations of St. Peter's in Rome uncovered a mosaic of Christ as the unconquered sun, end quote. From the book Pagan Christianity, page 19. So, if you keep Sunday, on whose authority do you observe it? That of a politically savvy Roman emperor. H.G. Wells, in his book Outline of History, noted that, quote, from the Mithraic cult it would seem the Christians adopted Sunday as their chief day of worship instead of the Jewish Sabbath, end quote. Page 539. Unger's Bible Dictionary reports, quote, Sunday is the first day of the week, adopted by the first Christians from the Roman calendar in Latin, Dia Solis, or Day of the Sun, because it was dedicated to the worship of the sun, end quote. Page 1050. 
Some assume that John's reference to the Lord's Day in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 meant Sunday. In fact, however, this is a reference to his visions of the coming day of the Lord, the prophetic year before Christ's return. Remember, the Sabbath-keeping Jesus Christ said plainly that he was Lord of the Sabbath, Mark chapter 2 verse 28, which meant the seventh day, not the first. Subhead Other Marks of Mithraism Mainstream Christianity borrowed more than just Sunday worship from Mithraism. Have you ever wondered where the date for Christmas, December 25th, came from? Is there any proof that it was the birth date of Christ? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ was not born in December, because shepherds were not keeping their flocks in the field in the dead of winter. From the entry Luke chapter 2 verse 8, from the Adam Clark Commentary. But December 25th was revered as the birthday of Mithra. Quote, the 25th of December was held as the Natalis Invicti Solis, the birthday of the unconquered sun. End quote. From the book The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop, pages 159 and 160. If you and your family observe Christmas, what god are you worshipping? Certainly not Jesus Christ. How can the true god have anything to do with a festival held in honor of the birth of a pagan sun god? Easter sunrise service is also one of the hallmarks of the mainstream Christian calendar. Certainly, many sincerely seek to honor Jesus Christ through that tradition. But did Christ really rise at sunrise? Scripture shows that when the women came to his tomb Sunday morning, while it was still dark, he had already risen. John chapter 20, verse 1. So where did the custom of praying toward the east come from? Consider what the historian F. A. Regan has to say. Quote, A suitable single example of the pagan influence on professing Christianity may be had from an investigation of the Christian custom of turning toward the east, the land of the rising sun, while offering their prayers. End quote. From the book Dies Dominica, page 196. Clearly, the marks of ancient sun worship can be found all over the traditions that developed in mainstream Christianity. Scripture shows the Apostle Paul asking Christians to lay aside goods on the first day of the week to be sent to Jerusalem, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, but nothing indicates this was a day of worship. And Paul talked with the disciples on the first day of the week in Acts chapter 20, verse 7 through 12, but a careful reading reveals that this was an evening meal, as there were many lamps, quote-unquote, and he spoke until midnight and not a worship service, in preparation for Paul's journey the next day. In fact, it likely took place after the seventh-day Sabbath was over at sundown, the beginning of the first day, quote-unquote. The book of Acts gives us one of the clearest scriptural references to first-century Christians keeping the seventh-day Sabbath. Paul preached to both Jews and Gentiles in the synagogue on the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath, Acts chapter 13, verses 14 through 41. Many Jews rejected him, but the Gentiles begged him to teach them the following Sabbath, which he did, verses 42 through 44. This is a clear indication that even among the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul did not neglect the Sabbath. In fact, he worshipped and taught on the seventh-day Sabbath, supporting its observance. Subhead Which mark will you take? Some say that as long as you worship God, it does not matter how you do so. But is that what God says? 
Clearly, he commanded his people to not adopt the worship methods of the people around them. Do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 2. But instead to be true and committed to following his instructions. The mark of the beast of Revelation chapter 13 is really no mystery at all. It has to do with the hand and the forehead, practice and belief. Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. Mainstream Christianity has the marks of ancient sun worship. In contrast, God gives his own marks by which he identifies his true followers. He says that one of the marks of his people will be the keeping of the seventh-day Sabbath. Speaking of the Israelites, God said through Ezekiel, Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths, to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. In the coming days of vengeance and wrath, what could be more important than being sanctified, set apart by God for special protection? That promise is available for God's people today. The seventh-day Sabbath is one vital mark of true Christianity, the subject of the fourth commandment, in which we are told to worship God while resting from work. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3. Certainly, Sunday laws forbidding the keeping of the seventh-day Sabbath will be a severe test for true Sabbath-keeping Christians in the years ahead. Will they take the mark of disobedience and sun worship, incurring God's wrath? Or will they resist man's traditions and remain true to the God of the Bible, obeying their Savior, Jesus Christ, in all ways, including the observance of the seventh-day Sabbath, to please Him and gain eternal life? What about you? Will you have the commitment to obey God and His commands? Will you have the courage to stand up for the truth, no matter what your friends or neighbors think? Will you be a true follower of Christ, willing to give up everything if necessary? Luke chapter 18, verse 22. Sometimes everything means giving up preconceived ideas of who God is and how to worship Him. Search the Scriptures. Find out for yourself. Reject the mark of disobedience to God. Accept his mark of obedience, including observance of the seventh-day Sabbath, and make the decision to obey him no matter what. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. James chapter 4, verse 8. If you courageously and obediently serve God with all your heart, you can be assured that at Christ's imminent return, you will have the right mark. End of article. Literature offer. May we suggest the booklet, Revelation. The Mystery Unveiled The future of our world does not have to be an enigma. Request this free printed booklet from the regional office nearest you or order at tomorrowsworld.org. PDF, EPUB, and Kindle are also available.